When we grow older, we want to be surrounded by the people we love. That's why Compargo has a mission to build thriving communities in aged care, home care, and retirement living. In this episode, I talk through the seven P's of startup marketing with Mackenzie Jackson, the co-founder of Compargo. Welcome to Fractal Startup Marketing, the podcast for founders who are frustrated that potential customers do not understand or undervalue their innovative business solutions. My name is Jared Doyle, and each episode I interview founders who openly discuss how they're tackling the seven P's of startup marketing. We'll talk about their startup's pitch, problem, promise, persona, position, promotion, and propagation. In true startup fashion, we aim to learn through collaboration and discussion. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me, Mackenzie. No problem. Thanks for having me on the show, Jared. Yeah, we just established before the show that we did meet two years ago, I think, right at the beginning. So I'm super intrigued to, to learn how the business has evolved from what I first remember it as. But before we get into that and talking about history, Mackenzie, can you kick us off by giving us your quick elevator pitch to what Compargo does? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's changed it's changed a bit since you would have first heard it, but Essentially, we're a, we're a community platform and, and we work in the space of what we call age tech. And that's kind of technology aimed towards the, the aging population in Australia. And our primary targets, we're enterprise sales. We, we deal with home care providers and also retirement living. We provide a platform that has really three elements to it. We've got a dedicated tablet for seniors. We have a, a cloud-based management system for the care providers and also a, a mobile app for carers and family members. And we have the primary goal of being able to help seniors age in place, that is to stay in their own home for as long as possible without having to go into care. And we do that by giving them access to a whole bunch of services that they wouldn't have had easy access to, like doctor's appointments, physios, and also a range of community aspects. So they can join in local social groups, they can find their peers and have conversations about it. They can join events on our what we call our virtual community. So they can join a virtual book club or they can live stream events. And everything is designed to help the senior age in place, help enterprise clients, which is the care providers, have better communication and access to them, and then open up a window of transparency with the family members with our, with our mobile app so that they know when care is being provided, they know that their loved ones are safe, and it all feeds together to be able to help that end user, the senior, age in their own home comfortably for as long as possible. That sounds great, and it's it's such a wonderful thing that you're doing. You know, most startups are trying to do some good; they're trying to like find some justice. But you can see this is you've got a real mission behind what you're trying to do. So, congratulations, first thing on picking such a worthwhile problem to solve. I guess. <laughs> Cheers. What I'm intrigued though, because what jumps out to me as a marketer. When you pitch that, and it sounds fantastic, but it, it scares me a little bit because, first of all, my first thing is, okay, who's your customer? And you talk about mm-hmm. enterprise, so the, the homes. And then you introduce two, well, one very important stakeholder being the aged user, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. I don't know the correct way to say it, but the older person who's <laughs> using the tablet. And then, of course, their, care, their family members and people you want to get in contact with. So you've got one customer and two additional stakeholders. How do you pitch your product in such a way that they all feel like they're getting value without necessarily turning the older, you know, users of your app into products, a la Facebook turning us into their product. How do you yeah. how do you navigate that in your pitch? 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. And we actually started off as as a B to C play. You know, like we we're trying to sell direct to the consumer, which is, you know, the end user. And it was near impossible. It's very hard to try and reach that that target market. So, you know, we, we sell to the enterprises because that's the biggest access that we have to our to our end users. It's the biggest sales channel that we have. It's also the way that we can provide the most amount of value to them. But, you know, like going back to to how we provide value to to everyone and make them all feel included, it it really is we don't want to introduce we stay kind of hidden in the background. We make our we kind of make the sale to the to the enterprise client and then we white label and rebrand everything to them so that we're not introducing a new confusing party to the end user. It's all familiar to them and they feel kind of this greater connection to their existing kind of world that they live in, but also provide them immediate access to a whole wider range of services and a whole, basically the, you know, access to the internet without it being so scary. So, you right. know. So I guess in that sense, you're aligning your mission with the facilities mission and hopefully those two things are directly aligned and that's how you get that end stakeholder uplift is the fact that you know they're there to provide a particular service of connection and communication and and care and you're there trying to do the same thing so if you're aligned then in practice i guess everyone wins in that outcome yeah yeah and that's that's definitely definitely correct and you know and there's been some great changes in the system at the moment we've just come out of a rural commission you know from aged care and one of the key takeaways from that is quality standards and that is all about client and community engagement. So there's almost been like a force alignment in this sector to our favor, which is basically saying, you know, is that this is where we all should be heading and we're going to put some standards in place so that to make sure that, so, you know, we've just, we've just kind of entered into what you might, you know, those very early adopters, the real innovators in, in the kind of industry We've just been kind of going through that chasm and, and with the Royal Commission, we've really felt that a whole new audience has opened up to us and saying, okay, not only should we be doing this, but now we actually have to be doing this. So it's really helped kind of align our mission with the larger audience, not just those really early adopters. And you've won me over, Mackenzie, by mentioning crossing the chasm and, and referencing it twice in the one sentence. That's, <laughs> that's music to a marketer's ears to hear stuff like that because I'm like, yes, this is going to be great. So. That's only because I spent such a long time in the chasm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so before I alluded to before, we, you know, we met briefly about two years ago. Mm. And the funny thing for me is I, and I think I, I mentioned it briefly before we started recording was, in my head, I was remembering, what was it? What was the original pitch? And then I thought something about Wi-Fi enabled talking kettles. And, <laughs> and, I sort of, and we stopped talking. We went, Let's talk about it in the show. But obviously, you've moved a long way from there because you know yeah. your business is much more than a talking kettle. So I'd love for you just to explain a bit about that origin journey, but both maybe even pre the talking kettle, which is, I realize, wrong, but also, and then post that, how you got to where you are now with an enterprise suite of, of software and tools and a robot. Yeah, I, it's, it's a very, it's kind of an interesting journey and one that wasn't a direct path at all. But, you know, I had a, a bit of an interesting kind of childhood, if we want to go back that far, I'll be brief. But, you know, <laughs> my, you know, my grandma was one of my primary carers. My parents were musicians, so were always on tour. So I lived a lot with my grandma. And, you know, and when we kind of grew apart, or when, you know, when I moved moved on, 
I couldn't even send my grandma a picture. There was no easy way to communicate with her. And then we became involved in this research project at QUT called the Messaging Kettle, which is what you would have remembered. And, and it was all about how do we increase our connection and engagement with a, you know, a, a loved family one. So it was a very much a B2C play. And, and, and really what it was is, you know, I'll, best I can describe it as this little, little magic box and you'd plug, you know, you'd plug the box into the, to the wall and you'd be able to plug your kettle into the wall and everyone in the family would have one. So you imagine my grandma would have one and I would have one. And when I turned on my kettle, my grandma's box would light up and glow. Or when she turned on her kettle, my box would light up and glow. And, and what this did was what we proved in the research is that it triggered like an activity memory. Is that my grandma would see that light glowing. She would know that I'm having a cup of tea. It would bring back kind of, you know, and it might trigger some memories, but also might trigger her that it's a good time for me to call, you know, and when I would see the the light going on, I know that my grandma's okay. I know that she's active. And we, we took this really basic concept and it was, it was powerful from a research aspect. And, you know, it's important to, as part of the journey to, to realize research and commercial is often very, very different goals. <laughs> and Very true. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we got the IP from the, the university QT was very supportive in, in that sense. And we and we started commercializing this project. And because we had a lot of research behind us, we took this to to care, some some care organizations, some leaders in the field. And they said, Oh, this is a great concept, but you know, it's so expensive to buy this box that will let our residents or our clients know that their family, you know, have this engagement. Can we add a screen to it? Because if we add a screen to it, then I can send a message to it and then it has a bit more value. And then we went down this path and, oh, can they book a service through it? If they could book a service through this screen box thing and with the kettle. And, and then eventually we got so far down the track that they were just kind of like, look, do you know what? If you could just leave the screen and get rid of the, the box that did the kettle stuff, right? That'd be fantastic. That's the product that we <laughs> the, the want. The reason why we started talking to you, if you could just remove that, it would yeah, be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, look, it's always hard to kind of find out that, you know, that your baby's ugly not really but you know in this case it was important it got us into the door and it also gave us a, a a large sense of kind of authority coming from research you know we weren't just young startup that didn't kind of know what we were talking about we did have some backing behind us so it got us into the door and it allowed us to ask the question what do you actually want what are the actual problems that we can help solve and so then once we actually started focusing on that we, you know we went away i always, i'm very I'm very attached to my baby. I want to go back to the messaging kettle at some point, but at the moment we're we're getting good traction with with the platform that we've built. So we're, I think we'll we'll stick to that for a bit. But I, I do want to revert back to the messaging kettle because it's got a soft spot in my heart. It'll be, it'll be it'll be worth money. There'll be prototypes kicking around one day that you'll be able to sell for money. Yeah, I'm curious. So just want to wind back just a little bit there where you spoke about the the problems that you're solving, and so you were asking the customers, and you were taking all the potential customers, and you're saying like, you know, tell us the problems, and mm. and from that you were able to sculpt the product around that. Can you can you dig a little bit deeper into the problem because that's for me is one of my one of my P's is the problem that you're solving, and maybe sort of help us understand a little bit about obviously the problem wasn't that it needed a screen there was there was mm. more to it than that so i wonder if you can just break down a little bit more about the the real problem that you're solving with the with the suite yeah definitely so i mean one of the one of the large problems with these large care organizations is that they're they're very old school and it's a hard industry to disrupt and innovate it doesn't have a lot of adoption of technology once they're clients so 
it's very hard to be able to engage with them regularly. So I'll give you one example of a client that we have. They service an area of 150 kilometers. So they're at their central base and they provide home care services within a radius of 150 kilometers from that base. So you can imagine that, you know, you can, you can, you can call someone, you can post them out a letter. It's very hard to have any one-on-one communication and it's quite a costly long process for them to be able to kind of have any social interaction, to send transport out there, to, you know, to be able to book a service and get a service out there. So one of the problems that they really were facing is that how do we streamline, you know, our clients? How do we get more contact points with them? And without having to drive 150 kilometers, you know, every day to, to visit to visit our clients. And also, how do we get them engaged with the internet? Because the internet is an obvious solution to this. But how do we get our clients to kind of use technology? And one thing that we found through the research and also after it is that there's this misconception that seniors don't want anything to do with technology. And I'll admit there are a few you know, that we've dealt with that don't. But really, it's just they don't understand it and no one's really given them the time and built something for them. You know, once you build something for them, then they become quite involved in it, particularly if it has meaning and purpose for them. So one of the like the big problems that we're able to solve is now these care organizations were able to effectively communicate regularly with their clientele. They were able to, you know, book services, get increase the amount of services that were being that were being used by their clientele you know and also have when care has come you know for them to be able to check in on the device so that the care has actually been inside and, and arrived there and that make that whole billing process easier so a lot of it was kind of you know it's not it's problems that we all could solve with technology even in different industry but we needed to come about it in an innovative and and creative way to tackle tackle the problems that we're having for this particular industry which is kind I like of that yeah you, basically you're taking the greatest communication tool that's ever existed being the internet but you're making it accessible to a section of our community that find it hard to get access to and by doing that you're basically unleashing the power of of what we understand and what we would use on a daily basis to communicate and keep up with friends, but you're empowering a whole demographic to be able to do that. So yeah, yeah, I love I love that idea. It's a real it's a real mission and purpose thing, which I guess gets back to your kettle with a box. I mean, the idea yeah. was there was a form of using the internet or technology to create some kind of human connection remotely. So you know, you're still on the same journey. You've just built a lot more tech. Yeah, I mean, the problem hasn't changed. It's just how we're trying to solve that problem you know, that's kind of developed and grown. And I think we've added a couple more problems into the mix as well. <laughs> that tends to happen, doesn't it? So once you've, so you've identified this problem and you're pitching this into your you know, potential customers, the aged care facility providers or service providers, what's the promise that you give to them that if they adopt your technology, I'm guessing it's based around communication, but is there mm. something else that you give them that's more tangible that you promise to say, look, if you use us, this is what you're going to see. This is the uplift. This is the engagement, whatever it is. What's, have you got a way that you position the product so that they can really get tangible, measurable uplifts in some way? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good good question. And I think, you know, if we look at the promise from what we what we aim to give our, our clients, which is, you know, the retirement communities or the, the home care providers, you know, one thing that we can promise is that we give an uplift in the community engagement that they have. And we've got a lot of awesome case stories to do that. And I think the biggest selling technique that we use is stories. 
when we're selling to enterprise, you know, to, to make it personable for them, you know, and it's the promise that, you know, yes, we can streamline the workflows by doing A, B, and C, but that's a pitch that everyone's heard a lot because every product claims to do that. But when you actually give them a story that kind of backs up the promises that you're telling them, it becomes a, a whole lot more powerful. And, and I guess the promise that we, that we deliver is that we're going to help you increase that communication piece with your clientele. We're going to make it easier for them and easier for you to book services, communicate, and better utilize some of the resources that you have. You know, going back to that same client that services uh, 150 kilometers, they run events every single day in their respite center. They've got two and a half thousand clients and about 50 people show up every day. And it's generally the same, you know, 50 people or a pool of maybe 100 people that show up to these events every day. You know, and so the promise that we're able to give them is that if you reach out and engage technology with our platform, we can live stream all these events that you're hosting and better utilize that resource. You know, you're paying for the speakers to come, you're organizing the events and like a tiny fraction of your clientele are actually benefiting from this. So with our software, you know, we can make this promise that you're going to have a way better engagement and reach from resources that you're already spending. It's not going to cost you anything additional apart from obviously, you know, the cost of the platform. But, you know, that's, that's kind of the promise that we're, that we're able to give. And, and the best way that I think we can sell that is through kind of like those client stories and positioning them so that they can kind of get their head around it. Otherwise, we end up just being another tech company giving empty promises that, our, our, that we're going to solve all of the problems that they have. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of storytelling when you're, when you're pitching and you're trying to deliver a, a promise because, I mean, like your origin story about how you came up with the idea and you spoke about growing up and your grandmother looking after you, you mm. all of a sudden, my mind just goes straight to, I'm totally believing in what you're trying to deliver because you've, you're driven by a greater force, which is the whole thing of an origin story is that you're there driven by a higher, a greater force. And then when you, when you humanize anything, it just becomes, well, first of all, it becomes easier to remember. But then second of all, you can relate to it so much more. And and I'm like, I'm terrible. I forget facts all the time. I forget names. I just, I can't remember any of those kind of things. But you tell me a story, I'm definitely going to remember that. So yeah. I think I think that technique makes a huge amount of sense. And, you know, anything that anyone can do with their startups, if they can get become a good storyteller, you, you're going to find you get a lot more success out of whatever you're pitching, really. <laughs> yeah. So you, also, you mentioned there about, I was just going to say, you mentioned about crossing the chasm. And, and one of the battles there, and I think you, you articulated it perfectly, which is, you know, aged care and, and the whole industry around that naturally isn't going to be an adopter of innovative products because of their very nature. You know, they're dealing with sort of aged people who aren't really looking to adopt new ideas, not typically anyway. Not that mm. they wouldn't, but it's harder to do, right? Age is a typical factor around adoption of new ideas. Yeah. So I'm thinking about that and going, well, then how do you identify some kind of enterprise, some aged care provider, facility manager who actually is likely to adopt it. So when you think about that target customer and you are trying to define their persona, what do you look for that says this, you know, how do you separate the archaic providers to the to the innovators? Is there clues and signals that you look out for that says this is possibly a real customer for me? Yeah, I mean that's interesting to kind of kind of think of that. The first customers that we got, you know, the first people that really became involved in it, we we met them because in the state library here in Brisbane they they organized they bought a digital camera for every single one of their residents and they put on an art 
like an art gallery display of all the pictures that the residents have taken. You know, some were melancholy and some were beautiful and, you know, some were uplifting and some were kind of sad and depressing. But, you know, like it's, you know, when I'm talking about what is it that we looked for, I mean, that was probably one thing that was just like dead in our face. (laughs) You know, here's this aged care provider that's going to these extraordinary efforts to try and, you know, stimulate their, their residents. I think the things that we kind of look out for at the moment is the, the the biggest success that we have is through kind of industry industry events and listening to the organizations that are presenting and the ones that are up on stage trying to push are generally the ones that we've had success with in this early stage you know and it's all the people in the audience that are going to be harder for us to reach you know at the other side of that chasm but the well, I guess what we've looked out for is surrounding ourselves in the industry making sure that we're in tune to the events that are happening and and anyone that's kind of showing any kind of indication that they're doing anything outside of the box in this because if they're if they're doing something outside of the box then we know that we're going to at least get in the door and be able to have a conversation with them and try and uncover what some of their kind of problems are so i mean i guess for us is like trying to what's our i target persona you know it's it's the and if it comes down to an individual, it's generally like a business development manager within an aged care provider or a marketing manager, someone that is already thinking outside of the box of how to grow a business and will often kind of appear on stage at these events. So, you know, always kind of having your ear to the ground and trying to find out these people. But I guess the advantage for us at the start is that the people that are that were the the biggest help for us and our first customers were probably the noisiest ones in the industry. So it gave us a little bit of advantage, you know. And now we've kind of got that foothold. It's all about how do we reach how do we reach the rest of that that target market, and we're doing that through you know with the help of the Royal Commission. We've been able to tell them the story of of what we're doing with some of these great industry leaders, and kind of getting them on board with becoming an industry leader and leading the way in this new new vision, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. It, it reminds me of Seth Godin's sneezes. It's the idea that you find that person who's up and shouting about change and innovation and what we need to do to make a better place. You convince that person to come on board and they start shouting about what you're doing in your company. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, yeah, like from a virality, from a propagation point of view, have you found that by winning over those early adopters that I'm wondering one, whether like they're shouting and other people saying, hey, I saw what you're doing with company X, Y, or Z. We'd like to give it a go too. And then secondly, I do wonder about, like I think about the massive numbers of staff members who, who work at these institutions. And I wonder when they change jobs, whether when they start the new job, they go, oh, at my last company, we had this software. And I'm wondering if at what point Compargo, if you're there now, or if you're sort of hoping in the future that that kind of virality and the propagation of what you propose starts to take care of itself. You don't need to market it. You just need to entirely focus on having a good product. Has that started or have you got a sensor that might be around the corner for you? Yeah, it's a very topical to kind of bring this up because these are all the conversations that we're having in the office now is that we're starting to get, you know, this this momentum. And, you know, it's that, that first time where all your efforts come from outbound leads, you know, like you knocking on doors, you calling people, going to events, knock, and then you start getting your first little trickles of inbound leads. And you're like, whoa, this is new. <laughs> like, like someone's <laughs> gone to our website, found us and emailed us. What would you know? And we're, so we're just actually starting to flick the switch on that. I mean, we're definitely not there, but we're, we've been having these big kind of discussions of how can we 
take this from a machine that we really have to pedal, you know, and we're getting great traction, but there's a lot of pedaling going on. And how do we flick the switch to make this, you know, just kind of get this perpetual motion happening, you know? And so we, we're, we're starting to really change the way that we're, you know, like it comes down to that being able to get someone to sign up on the website and download the software and just immediately start using it with the yeah. hope that one day, someone in America or somewhere anywhere in the world might download our software, start using it and just start paying for it. And, you know, we, you know, we might not even know. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this inflection point. And, you know, just to quickly, like from my own story, I had a company in the UK, leadgalaxy.com, and it was about two years into running that business when all of a sudden, so we were pitching, we were providing leads to real estate agents who sold properties overseas. And about mm. 18 months, two years into it, all of a sudden we realized what happened was real estate agents would change agencies. And when they turned up and they're all salespeople, they'd say, oh, what did you do at you know, Agency X? They'd say, oh, we used to get our leads from Lead Galaxy. The owner would pick up the phone ring and go, right, how do I do this? Where do I buy the leads from? There was no questions. And it was just that, that sense of it worked there, so it's going to work somewhere else. So yeah. I would imagine for you guys, it's quite close. The other thing I was just thinking about for you guys, and I, do, and I wonder whether it works, is if you think about, when I think about classic virality in a product, it's always based around the idea that the product is greater if more people use it and you're a communication platform at the end mm -hmm. of the day. So I almost imagine baking in virality with, is the way that if you have multiple users using the same software, using technology, all of a sudden it's like, so say, for example, I might have my mother-in-law using the technology. I go, this is great. And then my mother goes somewhere. I'm like, well, can you use that too? So I, I kind of feel like you guys are primed for propagation. Like it's going to be one of those things that doesn't just happen. It just explodes for you. So yeah. And we're, we're getting our first little taste of that too, is people that are pitching this to the retirement villages that their, that their parents go to. You know, like, and we're, we're finding that those, those people are contacting us and say, look, I really want this, you know, my mum my to use this. Is there somewhere I can get it? Or at the moment, we're just enterprise sales. So then they, they're off pitching for us, which is, a, you know, which is that fantastic. But, you know, another, another kind of area of that viral or that propagation is, is actually in the end users themselves is that we've learned when we go into an organization, we've learned to try and immediately uncover because the first kind of steps is, is that free trial. And our first step is to try and uncover with the organization who are your most active community members, and we call them our champions. Because if we can get them on board, they get everyone. They get everyone else on board. You know, they 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 get everyone that's going to the respite center, everyone in there that is somehow connected to the same organization on board, and then it, it explodes through that. And um, one of the biggest lessons we learned is that when we first rolled this product out, we showing everyone how to use it, doing the demos. And then, you know, we're showing this is where you go to see the events that are happening. And this is how you join a group. And then people are asking, well, how do I create a group? I'm like, oh, I didn't think you'd want to create a group. Or, you know, how do I create an event? Well, I didn't know that you'd want to create an event. And then this whole thing changed. Is that, oh, wow, this is amazing because now we don't need to create events and the organizers don't need to create events. Our champions are creating them for us. And so it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a flick. So we're getting all these things that are in line through learning, like learning with the rollout process. And I can really feel that we are absolutely on the cusp of, you know, that curve where you'll be able to pinpoint the time that we've changed things slightly, where you, that all of a sudden it, it started to blow up. But it's, a, it's about talking, you know, well, for us at least, definitely talking to the, to the customers and finding out what really they want and making them the champions and giving them the tools to sell your product for you. 
Yeah, it's almost like it's a win-win in the sense that if the product's working and people are using it to communicate, then that communication by its very nature is going to help it spread. So mm. it's kind of like if your product works, it's going to sort of <laughs> propagate throughout the throughout the world, hopefully for you guys. So yeah, I think it's I think well I can just I can see that it's there. So I'm excited to see that expansion for you guys. So thinking a little bit sort of defensively now and and thinking about the position in the marketplace. So I don't know your market at all. So I don't mm. know the, the way that you guys need to position yourselves. So I'm wondering if you can sort of talk about when you entered the market, were there existing solutions in there and did you have to find a unique position and, and some, I guess, some clean air to position Compago or was it something where you were completely creating a brand new marketplace and so you didn't have to worry about that? At, I guess at the start, you know, when we're, if we go back to like the messaging kettle, you know, we yeah. really felt like, <laughs> pioneers in this space and you know we were kind of leading the way and, and now we've come into this kind of new space and there's all there's a couple of other startups popping up everywhere you know and and we're all tackling you know tackling the same problem with different solutions you know so and i guess how we really position ourselves in the market is that we target it there's a couple of solutions out there that there's some great products that will help a senior use technology so, you know, it might be a simplified tablet that they exist on the market where you can buy it and, you know, grandma can message people, message you easy, and then she can, you know, get on Facebook easy. But where we really differentiate ourselves is we're all about building a community and we're all about kind of providing services. So we actually have found that learning to use technology isn't the real barrier, although we kind of thought that would be at the start. What's the real barrier and where the real kind of open up in the market is, is that there's not many places available in this this giant black hole that is the internet that is dedicated to the aging population that really tackles the problems that they have and looks at the care providers and helps them deliver the solution. So, you know, where we sit, you know, in the in the market is kind of looking at both the care providers and the clients and figuring out how we can make a really nice gel between them and the carers and the family that helps build out this community. And it's, we, you know, of almost community care where everyone has the ability to look out for each other and create events and build up this community that's kind of on the basis of the care services that are available. So I, yeah. I really feel like that's where we position ourselves to the market. But when we started, it was like, how can we, you know, how can we build a thing, a physical thing that's going to help people stay in, in contact where now we've kind of diverted as to how can we really help to build out a community and really utilize the community and services that, that exist, that exist out there and allow them. So I feel like that's where we sit in the market and that's where we've kind of niched out this place and i feel like that's you know i would say this but i feel like that's the secret source to really getting some disruptive innovation in this in this field is to is to make it so it's not all reliant on one person or one family or one provider it it leans on a community and grows with a community yeah and i mean look you can hear it in everything that you say that that becomes a primary focus and and i can see how copycat businesses other people who maybe aren't you know their story they're not as invested in the mission and the vision of what they're trying to do kind of might scratch the itch so to speak where they they just try to provide a better interface like here's a here's your iphone but with a bigger screen or here's you know <laughs> it's, it's very simple stuff and it's like here's what i already use but slightly adopted to you and what you're doing is yeah. saying, actually let's yeah. get down to the crux of what we're trying to solve here and it's communication and community so 
yeah, I think, uh, look, and that becomes a positioning, right? That becomes a positioning mm. for you guys. And if you're known as the community solution, well, you win. You win that market. And there will be providers, of course, who pick, you know, quick solutions or people who just buy better iPhones for their parents. But that's, that's you know, scratching the itch, so to speak. So oh, I think, I think, well, not that I'm the authority on any of these kind of things, but in my opinion, I think that sounds like a great positioning strategy. So I think stick with it. Cheers, Jared. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we win. That's it. We're done. <laughs> We're done. So, so last thing, and, and obviously the thing that's closest to a marketer's heart like mine is around the promotion. So mm. I, I'd love it if you could share with people listening and other founders listening, the, the one marketing thing that you found has worked really well for your business and sort of like how that sort of came about and then how you're executing it now without giving away secrets to all your competitors. Maybe it's something <laughs> you did early on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've tried everything, you know, in, in the space as you do. And one thing that we've kind of learned that knocking on doors and cold emailing and cold calling is a, is, is a quick way to kind of burn burn leads in this industry. But I guess kind of the one, I'm just trying to think of what what is the kind of one real promotional technique that, that we use. And, and I think it comes, I honestly think it comes back down to that storytelling aspect because the the most amount of leads that we've been able to generate is from industry pre- presentations. And you can almost see the, the moment when you're on stage and you're talking and you bring a real person into it, that everyone's everyone's kind of perception of it's changed. And, you know, I know it's not quite as as concrete as saying, well, we used Google AdWords and we 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 targeted this keyword and then all of a sudden our sales skyrocketed. But for us, I really think it's it's been being able to tap into the the industry events and conferences and really leaning on the stories that you've been able to generate. That's been the best promotion that we've been able to get for a you know for a for our customers. So, well, a story that comes to mind is, is of a client called Desley. She she had a stroke two years ago and she lost a lot of mobility and she got a speech impediment. But what people, well, it's like a secondary problem to that that no one thinks about is that she lost all her social confidence. And then she started using our product. She started attending events on the virtual community. She started building up her confidence. She started to then book transport for the first time in a long time, in two years, where she started coming out to community events that were being hosted on the platform and actually started physically attending these things, even right down to the point where in two years she hadn't used the second level of her house since her stroke because she was scared to go upstairs. And now since she's been using our product, she's been able to go upstairs. And, and you can, when you tell this story and you, and you have the kind of real emotion that comes behind and pride of, of doing that, you know, it's probably the best promotional technique that we've been able to use is getting up on stage of, of telling this story and getting people on board. And then it almost doesn't even matter what your product does because people are so focused on the end result that it's kind of like, I want an end result like that. I want to bring that into my organization where I can give that end result to my clientele. And whatever, whatever you're doing to get there is almost secondary. And, and, I, and I think that is been the key to us being able to deliver those stories and in, in those industry events that has been the best promotion that we've been able to offer so i'm not sure if that answers the question as, as, as well as you want in terms of you know really key key takeaways as to what to do from here but i i, I do feel very strongly that that's been the, the the best kind of promotional material better than the best marketed brochure available i think having those stories of our clientele has been 
the the, the best promotion that we could get. Oh, I know. I think I think you've got it exactly right. Like it's it's all the other tactics that you might talk about are just vehicles. They're, they're tactics. They're vehicles. They're channels for delivering that story. And mm. if that the vehicle happens to be an event, well, so be it. But the the key thing is that event gives you a format to tell a human story, something that's relatable, something that puts people on a it allows people to align with your mission and vision. And the one advantage you've got around anything to do with care, healthcare, is that anyone who's involved in that industry is involved usually they get into it to start with for the right reasons they're in it to make a difference you know they are they are operating on a higher purpose you know a mm. nurse in an aged care facility doesn't do it for the glamour because there really isn't any you know <laughs> you do it you do it be, there's easier ways to earn the probably you know, wait they don't earn enough really for what they do yeah, they I, a great I agree service. with that yes definitely so you just think well yeah so they're not in it for the money they're in it for the end objective if you sing to that you know, him, she, so to speak, then yeah, people just join you. They go, I just believe in why we're doing it. And it doesn't really matter. Like, I just believe if I stick with you, we'll, we'll find a solution. So no, I think, I think what you've given there is not specific tactical advice. Mm. You've given people classic pitching and positioning advice. So yeah, storytelling all in. (laughs) Well, yeah. Great. Now, so you guys have got a bunch of great content. You've got a great story. There's some really cool stuff that you've done and some coverage. If people want to learn more about Compago and and sort of follow your journey, what are the best social and digital channels to find you and, and the company on? Yeah, I mean, always the best channel is to to jump onto the website and sign up to the to the mailing list. That will give you the best coverage. But on all social medias, we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. So pick your social media of choice. You can definitely follow us on there. But I would encourage you guys to, if you really want to, to kind of follow the story and to definitely reach out to us, send us an email, sign up to the to the mailing list, and and then you'll be able to kind of get the best coverage of of where we're heading in the journey. Great. Well, Mackenzie, thank you so much for spending the time on the show. I've I've really enjoyed it. I'm. It's super exciting to see someone advance from a Wi-Fi enabled kettle to a talking robot. <laughs> so congratulations on that front. I look forward to you changing the lives and the communication of the ever increasing aging population in which we live in. So thanks so much for your time and also for what you do for everybody out there. Thanks for having me on, Jared. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.